1: Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Coming at you Monday night after the Timberwolves pretty well smoked the Los Angeles Clippers 122 to 104. It was a back to back for the Wolves after losing to the Lakers on Sunday night. That Sunday night loss was a game that Chris Finch and the players who spoke after the game described as a game where the, the Wolves just beat themselves. And to that end, being able to beat the Clippers a team that was shorthanded with COVID themselves, but did have fresh legs, I think was certainly a step in the right direction for this Wolves team that is kind of finally coming into the end of their own battle with the COVID protocols over the past almost three weeks now. Uh, Chris Finch said before tonight's game that Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell are out of the protocols and are now in that stage of ramping up to be able to play again. The thought is that those two will be back Wednesday night against Oklahoma City. The Wolves actually play OKC in both of their next two games, Wednesday and Friday night. Then they play the Rockets and the Pelicans. After that, on paper, it's it's probably their easiest stretch of four games for the rest of the season. So it's it's an ideal time to have the squad back at full strength. Uh, the, the last time the Wolves had their full roster available was December 15th. That was that win in Denver where Ant went off. He had those 10 threes Wednesday night at home against OKC should have that full roster again back. And for me, as I I think about the group being back at full charge, my head obviously goes to thinking about, you know, how much success the wolves were having with their starting unit of Russell and Beverly and Edwards and Vanderbilt and towns that, you know, hasn't been able to, to play together again since December 15th, three weeks. But, I also now think, as when I think about this group being back at full strength, I think about having added some new variables given the opportunities that we've seen some of these bench guys get over the past three weeks. And tonight's game against the Clippers really highlighted some of those variables, I thought. Um, The first half tonight, the Wolves really did throw a haymaker at the Clippers in this game. At halftime, Anthony Edwards, Nas Reed, Jalen Noel, and Jaden McDaniels had combined to score... 42 points on really efficient shooting. Those four were at halftime were 18 of 26 from the field, 12 of 16 from two and six of 10 from three of those four. Obviously, Ant is not a new variable, but to see him score efficiently tonight when there was additional attention being brought to him, I thought that was encouraging. And it allows you to think as we look forward about lineup combinations where Ant maybe doesn't always need to be on the floor with one of Cat and Dilo. We've seen him predominantly play all of his minutes this season with one of those two guys. And now, over these past three games since Ant's been back, you can kind of envision him leading a group from time to time, or we've at least seen it now. Uh, Nas Reed isn't exactly a new variable either, but in Cat's absence, Nas has been given more time in the rotation on a night to night basis. And in those larger stretches of minutes, we've seen a player who can really bring a scoring burst, and particularly as a role man. Nas's play in these two games against the L.A. teams feels like a nudge towards the idea of playing him more than the, you know, just 13 to 15 minutes a night as Cat's backup. Jalen Noel and Jaden McDaniels do feel like new variables. Both of those players have shown way more in their offensive packages these past few weeks. McDaniels had 18 tonight, tying a season high for him. But it's really been in all of these eight games, pretty much, that McDaniels has scored a lot more, done a lot more offensively in seven of the last eight. He's been in double figures, which is a huge contrast when you think back to the first eight games of the season where Jaden didn't score over five points in any of those games. Obviously, McDaniels' role on this team when it's at full strength is not to be it, certainly not a high usage guy, not even really a usage guy at all. Defense is still his thing, but the possibility of being, a, being able to be somewhat of an offensive threat, I think, is a big step forward for McDaniels, and it's something that, I mean, there was just times earlier in the year where it was hard to even you know discern positive value from him because if the defense wasn't there, if he was fouling, he just wasn't really providing anything for you offensively. And then with Jay Noel kind of bearing the lead of the things that have popped these past few weeks, I mean, Noel has made it crystal clear that he needs to not only stay in the rotation, but have a pretty substantial bench role. Noel has made it clear that this mid-range shooting we saw out of him at the end of last season was not a blip. I mean, Noel is now shooting 62% on long mid-range shots this season. You put that together with the 56% he shot on long mid-range shots last year. And you have a player who looks like he might be a bona fide dead-eye mid-range guy in the league. Overall, in the past two seasons, just for context on those percentages, if we put those two years together, that's 57.4% from Noel in that 14-plus-foot that mid-range area, and the league average from that range is just under 42%. The mid-range obviously gets a bad rap in the modern analytics driven basketball world, but analytics people should know that from mid-range is a pretty efficient shot, no matter how you slice it. But really, just taking mid-range shots is important because sometimes the game just makes you take those shots. Those late shot clock situations happen more than you'd think. And for the Wolves, being able to make those mid-range shots in those situations has just been such a problem over the past few years. I was looking at it today in 2019-20. The Wolves were second to last in the NBA in mid-range field goal percentage. And last year in 2020, 21, they also ranked second to last. They've been a terrible mid-range shooting team. It's really valuable for any team to have a guy on the floor at all times that can get that shot off and make it at a decent clip. The Wolves have that. We know in the first unit with D'Angelo Russell with the starters. But Jalen Noel is showing that he can be that guy in the second unit. They just don't really have another shot creator on the bench. So that's just all a way of saying that I think Jalen Noel has not only carved out a role on this team for the rest of the season, but it's a role that I think could prove to be valuable, given where those shots were going previously. For me, I think we've now got four bench guys locked into roles behind that starting five, and to me, those four locks are Nas Reed, Jade McDaniel's Malik Beasley, and Jalen Noel. That I think if they're going to go ten leaves one more spot open for one of Nate Knight, Josh Akogi, Jordan McLaughlin, Greg Monroe, Jake Lehman, Leandro Balmaro, and Torian Prince, one rotation spot for those seven guys. And tonight, the timing of Torian Prince's best game as a Timberwolf, you know, it was it was timely because it made the case for him having that role going forward. Prince was two of four from three-point range tonight, but he also got to the basket. He He scored five of his six two-point shots as well. Along with his generally solid defense, I think Prince made a strong case to be the 10th guy going forward tonight. Here's Chris Finch after the game um, asked if he can kind of expect more out of Prince for the second half of the year.
2: Hey, Chris, is Torian somebody who you maybe can see giving you more than you've gotten uh, maybe in the first half ish of the season here? Well, I, th- I think so. You know, he, he had a great preseason for us. Um, and. You know, it's, it's a little probably unfair uh, on Torian, you know, because he's had a bit of a yo-yo role, and, you know, some of that's our doing, and, you know, some of that's just he had made shots. So he got a lot of good looks at one point in the season, and, you know, that, but we've said all year long, that kind of stuff always comes back around, and hopefully for now, for him, it's coming back around.
1: So for me, Torian Prince would be my 10th in the rotation. I'd go with starters of Cat, Vando, Edwards, Beverly, Russell. I think that's a given. And then with the bench, I'd go Nas backup center, Prince kind of as that small ball four, McDaniels also on the wing, Beasley as the backup two guard, and then Jalen Noel uh, getting a, the bulk of the extra minutes there at backup point guard. Yes, that does leave Nate Knight out of the rotation. He's definitely kind of put the coaching staff on notice over these past few weeks, but I just don't think there's a clean role for him there yet. It also leaves out guys like Akogi and McLaughlin, who have been in and out of the rotation this year. But you got to pick, you got to you got to draw a line somewhere. And where we stand today at the start of 2022, I think this is a reasonable line to draw in the sand. And as always, like a rotation is not set in stone. Injuries are going to happen. Foul trouble is going to happen. The trade deadline is going to happen. Other guys will again get shots. But for me, the shots that have been given due to this COVID outbreak have made it pretty clear to me that. This should be the pecking order for now. And it's clear to me that Jalen Noel was the one who did the most with the opportunity that he was given these past few weeks. All right, we are going to take a quick break here and then come back with some specifics from tonight's game and throw in some audio clips from a spicy post-game press conference from Patrick Beverly after he beat his former team. Back here in a minute. Today's show is brought to you by TickPick, Minnesota Timberwolves basketball is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Wolves tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K that's is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NBA tickets. If you can find better prices for the same seats on any other ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Visit TickPick.com slash Dane Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets. I heard from a handful of fans who used TickPick to purchase their tickets to the Wolves opener after hearing about it on the pod, and they found the experience to be both easier and more affordable than previous ticket sites they had been using. The Wolves do play seven of their first eight games at Target Center, and TickPick has you covered for all of those games. It was a blast to see fans at the opener matching the Wolves' energy on the floor on Wednesday night, and I look forward to more of that to come. Again, visit TickPick.com slash Dane Moore. My name, all one word, no spaces today, to save $10 on your first order of Wolves tickets.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, we are back discussing the Timberwolves' 122-104 victory of the Los Angeles Clippers on Monday night. Uh, Torian Prince told us post-game that Patrick Beverly brought the group together pre-game and told them that he needed this one against his former team. The Wolves had lost their three previous matchups this season against the Clippers and Beverly was clearly not having an 0-4 season against his former team. Uh, there's there's clearly an understanding from Beverly that the NBA is a business, but he, he still expressed some frustrations about how he felt underappreciated uh, by the Clippers when he was there. Beverly just really feels he was kind of put in a box in L.A., in a box that didn't necessarily recognize the impact he can have on winning. Here's Beverly talking about it after the game. Pat, do you feel like not everything you brought to the Clippers was always
3: appreciated? Uh, I mean, it's kind of overlooked, you know, especially when you have people like Kawhi and PG, you know, take a lot of credit for everything. But it's always when I go to the other team, you know, that's when you see my work, you know, and, I, and, I, and how the team is now. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. You know, what I do is very underappreciated, but, uh, you know, the Timberwolves appreciated and that's all that matters. Yeah,
1: as you say with the team, the transformation that we've seen with, with the Timberwolves here, that's. Feels like all that's kind of been brought to the forefront, uh, exactly what you do and the impact you have. Does it feel that way?
3: Man, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, my goal, you know, my personal goal was to try to win uh, more games. I think they won 26, 27 games last year. Uh, I'm not for sure, but my goal was kind of to try to beat that. My personal goal was to try to beat that before All Star, and uh, I'm getting close. So uh, it's all about winning with me.
1: Beverly's game is unique. I I think to some extent it is difficult to perfectly assess his value. His value is certainly driven by kind of some of those softer values, right? The, the effort, the IQ, the drive. But as far as the, the size of his box goes, I mean, it really wasn't that big in Los Angeles. He wasn't asked to do much of anything on offense other than catch and shoot threes and then just guard on defense. So for me, the biggest and most encouraging surprise with Pat Bev here, the most unexpected is it's just that he's doing more. He really has shown much more as a playmaker for the Wolves than he ever did for the Clippers. A playmaker both as a scorer and a passer. Tonight, Beverly had a career-high 12 assists, really working as a pick-and-roll playmaker, setting up his teammates. But he's also been a playmaker in the sense that he's been able to score some, too, in those situations. Overall, Beverly has ran 153 pick-and-rolls this season that have been pick-and-rolls that have either led to his shot or a pass that then led to a shot, and those possessions have generated over a point per possession, which is pretty good. Of the 91 players who have initiated over 150 pick and rolls this season, the 1.046 points per possession that Beverly has generated ranks 19th of those 91 players. That's actually far more productive than both D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards, who rank 56th and 83rd, respectively, on that list. Of the ninety highest, ninety-one highest volume pick and roll players in the NBA. Beverly was talking about how the Clippers didn't think he was that guard who could play make. So I asked him after the game about having that role on this team under Chris Finch. Here's what Beverly had to say there. You mentioned the uh, the playmaking element. That's really something that's been there for you all season here since you've been in Minnesota. How, how has that kind of been a, a point of emphasis for you? And, and how do you feel that uh, th- that you found that success this year?
3: I have a coach that trusts me. You know, I have a coach that trusts me with the ball. You know, obviously, you know, he's been knowing me for a long time since I've been with the Rockets. Uh, he knows my abilities, my cans. I can't say can't not. say can not i have been playing my ass off this year, but my cans. Um, he's trust me with the ball. And you know, I've been just making, trying to make the right decision, um, you know, for some reason I don't know a lot of coaches didn't you know trust me with the ball before maybe due to the fact of you know i've been I played with so many superstars so maybe it wasn't a lot of basketballs to go around but uh I have a coach here who's uh who trusts me uh who believes in me and uh you know I, you know anyone knows me I'll run through a wall for fe so uh you know I just don't want to let him down
1: I think it was big to see this productive game from Beverly tonight the timing of it uh for Beverly and Edwards and Vanderbilt Vanderbilt it took all of them, a few games to kind of get back in a rhythm after leaving the protocols. And if it is going to similarly take Cat and Delo a few games once they keep, once they are able to come back, I think it's just important that we have now seen all three of Beverly, Edwards, and Vanderbilt have good games since they've returned. That should help keep things afloat during this kind of reacclimation period for Cat and Delo that happens to come in games that the wolves really should be winning and speaking of some pick and roll numbers i want to hit on Nas Reed here quickly as well Nas is going to be tonight's forgotten star of the game presented by forgotten star brewery Nas was really dynamic in pick and roll tonight and he was also dynamic in pick and roll sunday against the lakers as well historically we know with naz like finding a rhythm in pick and roll was what has triggered his most successful stretches of play over the course of the the past few years. I mean, Nas can be a high-volume pick-and-roll player. Even, like last year, he, his pick-and-roll volume is was nuts. Last year, as a backup, even in a backup role, only nine players in the entire NBA took more shots as a roll man than Nas Reed did last year. And he generated 1.159 points per possession on those possessions that he shot the ball on the roll. This year, that production of his shooting as a pick and roll player or finishing is down a tick, but it's still over one point per possession. But I I think what I've seen grow is the pick and roll element of Nas's game that doesn't necessarily lead to a shot. What I like that Nas has added to his pick and roll game this season is passing as a roll man. He had two laser. If you watch the game tonight, you saw it. He had two laser passes to the corner off of the short roll tonight and I just I asked Finch, I wanted to ask Finch just I had been wanting to ask Finch about Nas as a pick and roll player. So I asked him tonight after this game about the growth we've seen from Nas in the pick and roll. Chris, uh, with, with Nas Reed, um, what have you just seen from him in terms of his growth as a pick and roll player? Not only as a scorer, but tonight seemed to be passing it really well on the, the short roll also.
2: Yeah, his, his pocket awareness has grown um, you know, I think he, he's a very good passer, like in general. He sees the floor extremely well. Um, you know, I think uh he's also a really good scorer, probably sees himself a little bit more as a scorer. But we've just been trying to get these guys to understand what that pocket looks like when they when they when they get in there every night. Every defense is a little different. When he did a good job of finishing around the low man, he did a good job of kicking, did a job rolling hard. Um, he's a really good playmaker. It's a luxury to have particularly in your second unit where you can run so much offense with him and through
1: him. I think this type of adding to the bag stuff from Nas is what can allow him to expand his role, even once Cat returns or keep it expanded. If the case for playing him next to Cat is more than just having another shooter out there, I think that increases the suggestion that he can be impactful next to Cat or it can at least boost the offense a little bit more so the defense of that pairing is a little bit more palatable. So tonight, Nas Reid is the forgotten star of the game because I do want to remember uh, this last bit of the COVID stretch that uh, we've seen from Nas over these past few games. And finally, tonight, we will wrap on my prize picks that went terribly. Uh, I'd actually been hitting on a lot of these weird COVID COVID game lines lately. I'd moved a good chunk over 500 on the season, but I got all four of my picks wrong tonight. I had Beasley over 17 and a half points. Uh, it just seemed like he's almost a lock to be in that range without Cat and D'Lo on the floor, but Beasley had his lowest scoring output of this recent stretch. He only had 11 tonight. It's just not been a lot else there from Beasley if he's not hitting from three at a high volume. My other three picks were all Clippers. I took over 14 and a half points. For Eric Bledsoe, who had played awesome on Saturday when I watched that game against the Nets, but Bledsoe finished with just one point tonight. Yuck, got that wrong. I also uh, took the over on Reggie Jackson making two free throws tonight. Remember from the first three Clippers games, Jackson had absolutely killed the Wolves, but tonight Jackson finished with only five points and he did not take a free throw. The one under I took was <laughs> the one Clippers under I took, which you know feels like every Clippers under should have hit, but I, I even missed that with uh, Serge Ibaka. I took the under on eight and a half points. Naturally, uh, Ibaka went on to lead the Clippers in scoring with 17 tonight. So that's a goose egg for me over four. That brings me down to 68, 65, and four on these picks for the year. Uh, but I plan on making a comeback once Cat and Dilo return later this week. You should also hop on the Prize Picks bandwagon with me. A ton of you are using the Prize Picks app to play some daily fantasy, like. a ton of you thank you um, if you haven't yet signed up prize picks will still give you a 100 dollars bonus if you create an account using the promo code Dane I loved it I'd love it if you'd sign up using that code so prize pick keeps sponsoring the show alrighty so here we are presumably on the cusp of cat and Delo finally returning finally done with covid knock on wood and you know it's it's kind of time for the wolves to go this this sort of feels like the end of a chapter of the season, just given how kind of crazy COVID has been these past few weeks. 37 games in, the Wolves are now 17 and 20, uh, currently hold the nine seed in the West for this first half-ish of the year. They rank 23rd on offense and 12th on defense. And I really do wonder um, in the second half, which of those numbers will mold, or will hold true more, right? Will the Wolves remain a bottom-10 offense? know, nope. Will they be a top-10 defense in the second half? I mean, to make the playoffs, that offense will probably need to go up, and the defense will probably need to stay in this neighborhood. We'll see if the Wolves can kind of jumpstart the second half of the season with these next four games against OKC twice, then Houston and New Orleans. They are going to be back at full strength, it seems. And with that, the schedule is kind of daring them to, to get hot it starts on Wednesday at home against OKC I will talk to you next after that game with a postgame pod and then I'll have Britt Robson coming on the show this week on Thursday uh so that'll probably be up Thursday evening and we'll uh we'll just chop up wherever the wolves are at at that point until then uh happy new year thank you for a full season of uh full year of of listening to to many of these pods I'll talk to you soon until then I'm Dane Peace out.
2: How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it off so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah.